Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. How have you been? I am great. I'm so excited you've got Kirk back on the show. I'm going to be dipping out of here so you guys can talk, but what are you talking about today? So Kirk and I are going to talk about what people need to be looking out for and how they might want to be reacting to what many people are predicting to be a uh, low growth type of economy and environment for investing in the uh, foreseeable future. Absolutely. All right. We'll get to it. Have fun. So uh, first of all, uh, Kirk, thanks uh, for taking time out of your schedule and joining me here today and uh, give me a few moments of your thoughts. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me on again, Greg. This will be fun. So I thought of you when I was, I was reading a, a, a book the other day and it was, and it was, the, it just came out. I can't recall the guy's name right now, but he's, he's a revision of one that he did before, but you know, he was talking about, you know, what we currently have in terms of expectations for the economy and what many experts are talking about being a, a low growth environment you know, coming off of uh, the accelerated earnings of the last bull market and all those things. And, and I thought there's no better person that I know to put those into terms that people can understand than my friend Kirk and uh, the host of Money Tree Investing. So Kirk, first of all, do you, do you, um, do you have any opinion uh, with regard to that opinion that we are in fact uh, heading into this era, there is going to be potentially a fairly low growth in the market? Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on again, Greg. So I, I think the, what we're in for right now is what I'm calling a paradigm change. So if you think about the last 40 years, we had peak interest rates. They were up in neighborhood of 20, 15, 20%, depending on which bond you're looking at. Those are pretty high. And as of recently, they were down to 0%. So we went for 40 years of lowering interest rates, which has allowed people to borrow money and leverage up. So in the, you know, in the 70s, uh, people didn't have mortgages. They just bought it for cash. But prices are a lot lower, so they could do that. But once you have interest rates down from 20%, you know, it's easier to get a mortgage that you can, you can pay the interest on. And effectively, when people borrow money, which is what people have been doing for the last 40 years, you know, you have low interest rates, why not borrow money? If you're going to give me like a car, like I got a car loan for 0% interest rates. Well, if you're going to give me that, I'm going to take it, yeah. right? So why not take it? The problem is, is you're basically burdening yourself with payments. Now, people are living off of payments right now. You own a home, you owe payments, right? You don't pay it for cash. I know some people can, but most of America can't. And so you're burdening yourself with payments. So take an example. <clears throat> In the last six months, you could have got a 30-year mortgage for 2%. That's right, 2%, right? Now, as of today, 5.5%. Now, the amount of money you would have had to pay at 2% is going to double at 7.5%. So if you're paying 2000 bucks a month for a mortgage payment, it's going to be 4000 a month for the same house if it gets to 7.5%. Now, think about this for a moment. You're buying a $700,000 house at 2%. Now the payments are going to double. That means you can probably afford a $350,000 house 
at seven and a half percent. That's the direction we're going. Yeah. So not mean to scare people about real estate, although that is a direction. I, I think what's important to understand is your all of that leverage is basically pulling forward future earnings because you have to pay it back, just like a credit card. You know, like what was the old uh, Popeye cartoon with Wimpy? You know, I'll I'll pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. That works until it doesn't, and then yeah. you have these problems like we're having now. So um, we've kind of we've kind of brought all that economic activity in, in early and in based upon cash flow. And so now we're looking at a spot where, if the cost of cash is increasing because uh, your because our interest rates are increasing, that we're not going to be able to buy as much. So what happens when you pull forward future earnings? It means you're you're paying for something today that you'll pay back later. But at some point you run out of you run out of money, right? So if you decide, let's say you make a thousand bucks a month and you have no debt, and then you decide, you know what, I'm going to really buy that car for ten thousand dollars. Well, instead of saving up until you have ten thousand, you say I'm going to buy it today and I'm going to burden myself with five hundred dollars a month payments. Let's say simple math. Well, now you only have five hundred bucks a month to spend because you're paying for that future item today which means you have less money to pay for other things. And let's say you also want to buy that nice couch. Well, then you get to pay other money. So at some point you run out of money because you still have to pay for those things, you know, but you wanted them today. You couldn't wait. So at some point you get squeezed. Now, most of this country is squeezed. They're not saving any money. They're spending everything that they earn. Now, the problem comes in what we're having now. Now, if you have 0% interest rates, you can do that for a long period of time. But now interest, you know, inflation is 8% in change, 8.1, 8.3, I think as of recent. So 8.3% inflation rate. That means that items, goods and services you have to buy are going up that much. Now, I don't know about you, but my food prices are not going up 8%. They've doubled in the last six months. So a normal family, let's say they're paying 500 bucks a month for food. Now they're paying a thousand bucks a month for food. But they're not earning another 500 bucks in wages. So that means you, you basically are losing 500 bucks you know, out the window. But yeah. you, have to, you have to pull that from somewhere, which means you're, you're buying fewer iPhones, you're buying fewer clothes, you're not going on as many vacations, you're not going out to eat as much. You know, people start to have to save and they stop spending as much, which means that you're causing this cycle this reinforcement loop of people spending less, which means companies earn less, which means, you know, they lay people off, which means people are spending less. It's this reinforcement cycle. So the problem is, is we're slowly going into a recession or worse, and it probably won't be obvious until next year. So the way I would describe this is we are going into the seventies all over again, hopefully without disco. But, uh, you, you beat me to the disco line. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully no disco, but you know, you're, you know, we're going to see very similar conditions to the seventies. And those of you who didn't experience it, the seventies were tough. It was a period much like this where there was excess prior in the sixties and then interest rates started to climb. Commodity prices climbed and, you know, people had to spend less. And the problem is, is, there aren't too many places to hide. So this low growth environment, I think we'll be lucky if it's low growth. It might even be negative because effectively people have to pay more for things that they're not getting any additional value. 
and they're not earning more money because the economy is not growing. So that means your wages aren't really going up at the same degree. So the right now inflation's at 8.3% and interest rates are what, 1%? So we got a long way to go. It means interest rates are gonna go higher. Inflation, most likely we can argue whether it's gonna stay that way or not. I think we've got three to five years of high inflation based on my research. So, 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 you know, as we reflected on this program, and I'm sure you reflected with with your clients as well, you know, the the impact of the increasing uh, rate of interest on existing bonds and how you know that affects people in terms of their investments, and in light of this environment, you know, do you is there any safe place to go? I know you do a lot of work with commodities with uh, with your uh, self-directed IRA work. Uh, do, where, where, where are people, where's the smart money look to go, if anywhere, as we're heading into this, this era? So that's a great question. And you're probably not going to like my answer, but I think it's an answer that people need to hear. So here's what happened in the 70s. Stocks did not do well. Bonds did not do well. Cash uh, was neutral. We'll get back to that. Uh, cash was basically even. Uh, gold did well, but for other reasons, which we'll talk about. You know, real estate didn't do great. So if you look around the map, there's not a lot of areas that are safe. I will tell you about the areas that are not safe, and I'll tell you about the areas that are. So if you think about any investment, every single investment has inflation tied to it. So if you think about it, you can remove inflation from the equation because it's same for every single investment. So just keep following me here because I'm trying to simplify this, this answer. Because if you have 8% inflation for every asset, that means every asset is worth 8% less. So you can remove it because regardless, it's going to happen to everything. So if you remove that for the minute, stocks should not do well. Bonds, not certainly not well. I mean, this year, you know, stocks, some stocks are down 20%, some indexes, bonds, like 30-year treasuries are down 20%. Those are bonds. Bonds are supposed to be safe. For the last 40 years, interest rates have declined, and people have assumed that bonds are safe. They're not safe. They're only safe when interest rates are declining. When they're going up, they're the opposite of safe. But a lot of people have not changed that paradigm. So a lot of the, what we're talking about with the paradigm change is the change of your thinking about your assumptions. So things like bonds being safe, that is a wrong assumption. Things like buy and hold is also a wrong assumption. There are times where that works. It doesn't work all the time. So getting back to things that work and don't work. Real estate has done really well because you could get a 2% mortgage, which allows your interest payments, your, your mortgage payments to be really low. But now interest rates are going up. It means you can afford less property, which means that real estate prices are going to go down. Now, not a, all real estate is bad, but I'm just simplifying the, the, the asset class for the moment. Now, getting back to cash, cash is actually neutral. You're not going to gain or lose money from cash. Although as interest rates go up, most likely you'd be earning more in your cash, but not enough to combat inflation, at least for the next few years. So cash is actually safe. Most people don't like cash because they say, oh, I'm losing to inflation. Yeah, you might be losing 8% to inflation, but if you take your stocks, they're going down 20% plus the 8%. So it technically you lost 28% in stocks. So cash relatively is safer. And I look at cash as an optionality. So cash is like an option on being able to invest in whatever you want when prices are lower. 
So cash is not a bad thing. I know people hate it, but I, I love cash. I think it gives you a lot of uh, flexibility to buy things when they're cheap. <clears throat> Gold in the 70s did really well, in part because it was tied to the dollar. And then they disconnected, they discontinued that tie, which means gold shot up in price in large part because it was undervalued. So don't look at the 70s and say, oh, well, gold did well. I'm going to put all my money in gold. Gold should hold its own, but it's not going to do what it did in the 70s. It's a very different environment. Commodities should do well. Commodities have done poorly for the last 20 years, in large part because of low rates for many other reasons. But commodities have gone up in the last year. And I think they're going to continue to either go up or stay where they are. So I think commodities themselves, for different reasons, will continue to stay high. So that the best place to be with commodities is actually in producers of the commodity. So like mine, like miners, like, you know, mine producers, people that take the stuff out of the ground. Farms, another example, you want food, you get it from a farm. So the price of food is going up. But the farmer's costs aren't going up necessarily to the same degree. So farmers should have a higher profit. And thus farms should do well if at worst they should break even, you know, but there, there will be some issues because, you know, people may have to sell and things like that in a, in a, in a really bad period. But farms overall have historically been very safe. And if commodity prices are going up, that means that they should continue to do well. Real estate actually is interesting. So, you know, farmland is technically real estate, but if you look at real estate, I'm not a big fan of residential homes right now. I think that higher rates are going to cause real problems in that market. If you look back in 2008, it peaked, the real estate market peaked in 2005. The market didn't crash until 2008. That's three years. So real estate moves slowly. So right now, in my opinion, the peak of the real estate market was those 2% 30-year mortgages. Now they're at five and a half percent. The market has actually peaked, but people haven't realized it yet. They still are trying to buy real estate because they still see it as being safe. It's, in place, it's inflation proof. If you get a 2% mortgage, hold on to your real estate. That's a great rate. But your, your value of your mortgage is probably, of your property is probably going to go down. But if you're never going to sell, it doesn't matter, right? It only matters if you're going to flip it every few years. I've, I've not heard uh, yet, and maybe you're going to get to there. Uh, one is, uh, is, you know, crypto. All, you know, I, know, I know your clients do a lot in crypto and, and you have not addressed that. And, and you and I have talked privately about some of those things, but how, how do you feel about that as some type of a hedge for where we're going on? Yeah, I'll get to, let me finish up real estate and I'll get to crypto. So other parts of real estate, so apartment complexes should do well because people have to live somewhere and we're actually, we have a shortage of housing in the U.S., so people will rent rather than buy because they won't be able to afford to buy and people won't want to sell because their price, their houses went down so much. So there's going to be a problem. Apartment complexes should do well. Manufacturing, so industrial property manufacturing should do well because the globalization that we've had for the last 40 years is actually reversed, which means that people are onshoring manufacturing or they're regionalizing it, which means that more is going to be in the U.S. So there will be a demand for that. So that's, that's real estate in a nutshell. I mean, there's land, which I don't know if I'd touch land because it's illiquid, but you could start, if you find the right property and you're patient, I think it's a good time to be looking. Now, crypto is interesting. We did a debate last summer in Freedom Fest, gold versus crypto, and I was on team gold. A lot of people think that crypto is an inflation hedge. It's not an inflation hedge. It is a speculation and it is a trend, it is a technological trend. 
So it is a technology, it's based on blockchain. And that technology is the next wave of uh, progression with businesses. So think of, think of blockchain as the internet of the 1980s. It's basically what it is. In the 80s, people were figuring it out. They didn't know what it would look like. Now we know what it looks like, but it took years, decades for that to formulate. Blockchain is the same. We're still early in this cycle. People are trying to figure out how they're going to adapt it to their business. So there is a lot of interest and money going into the space. Now, personally, I think you have to have a strong stomach to invest in it. I think there's a lot of positive aspects about crypto. I think in general, it is a speculation and I treat it as such. So you could just say Bitcoin as an example, you might be able to make 20 times your money or you could lose 100% of it. Now, if my odds are 50-50 at that, I'll take that every day and twice on Sundays. Because if I win, I make 20 times of my money. And if I lose, then I lose 100% of it. So I could put in 1% of my portfolio. And if I lose 1%, it's not going to hurt me. But if I win, I make 20%. That's pretty good, right? That's how I look at crypto. And I think that's the way that people should look at it is not because it's going to, you know, it's going to be the next Microsoft. It's because there is an asymmetric risk trade there that makes sense. But People think it's inflation proof. It's not. It's actually more correlated to the NASDAQ than anything else. And the NASDAQ has done poorly. And if you've seen the markets, crypto has done very poorly. I still think it's going to be around. And I still think it's a great investment or speculation. But people have to understand what they're doing. If somebody says, I want 20% of my, my investments in crypto, I'd say you're nuts. Unless you're young and you can take that risk and you want to take it, great. But you know, if you're 65 and you want to put half your money in crypto no that's that is not smart unless you have enough where you don't care i mean some people have that but in general i think it's something to consider in a small dose a small enough dose where you you know you feel comfortable losing it all then i think it's it's a great speculation i I think the numbers warrant it as a good speculation Now, now, Kirk, thank you for being so gracious with your time. I know you've got to run here. Before before I let you roll off, I know that you just did a, a, a real deep dive uh, on, on the Money Tree Investing podcast with regard to inflation and what we are you know, looking at going ahead. Um, and we're going to put the link to that in the show notes here. But uh, in a nutshell, um, what would people find out if they went and listened to that that kind of correlates with what we've talked about here today? Yeah. So the reason I put out that episode is because there's a huge paradigm shift going on and most people don't realize it. They intellectually know, like they hear the news talk about inflation and it's a problem, but nobody's thought three to five years ahead. They're just thinking about today. And if you kind of move, you know, move the, uh, the clock forward a year, there's certain things that are going to be happening and people are going to be reacting to it too late. So the reason I put it out is this. I can't tell the future any more than Greg or anybody else can. But I feel like it's important to prepare. So even if the markets are going to, whether they're going to be good or bad, I I don't know. I don't know what the Federal Reserve is going to do. But what I do know is if you're not prepared for this, it's going to hurt. So the 70s, the one thing about the 70s that I think a lot of people miss is everyone felt the pain because there's really no escape for that kind of condition. Everyone felt the pain. The idea is it's not about making money. It's about who can lose the least. 
because when it comes to inflation, you're losing that 8% a year. It's about who can lose the least. And if you're in that boat and you think about it in that, in that framework, you'll come out of this better than everyone else because all these assets are going to go down in price and you're going to be able to walk around with a net picking up cheap assets left and right, but you have to have patience and you have to manage risk. So the whole idea was to prepare people mentally for what could happen. And so when, they, so when it does happen, they're not going to be scared because they will have already gone through and managed the risk for their life. Yeah, Kirk, it's very much uh, like uh, the resilience that we last talked about when you were a guest here. Uh, to be, the people just need to be prepared for the future and uh, knowing what's ahead of them as much as we can figure that out. Uh, it's going to help people weather the storm. So, hey, thanks again, my friend, for spending some time with me today. I look forward to uh, uh, chatting with you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Greg. Take care. Guys, thank you so much, Kirk. Wonderful time uh, being a guest again. Thank you so much for doing that, Greg. Thank you for bringing him on the show again. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.